Um, All right. So, do you want to get started? Yeah, yeah let's get, yeah, into, let's yeah, get sure. into this book. Because I, you know, considering it's like part one here. No, of course. I, I don't want us to go like too long here. Because yeah, yeah. obviously part two should be longer to like kind of like wrap up major themes. But, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay. let's. So, OK, so we're going to discuss, um, though, I would say just amazing book so far Jacques the Fatalist by Denis Diderot uh written in mid 1785 that's yes yes that's right um and so okay let's let's just get the general mark the remarks on the table out of 10 what would you guys score this I would give it a 10 so far from what I agree. I've read. I agree. I think this is one of the best books I've read in the past I was going to say, this undoubtedly makes my top 10, perhaps top five list of just like my favorite books so far. Yeah. So far. So far. Yeah. We're about, we're all three of us are in between a third and a half of the way in. Um, yes. Um, yes. Give him. I mean, I, I, well, one thing oh, I want to yeah. say real fast is, um, I mean, I was, I, I, I didn't know Diderot was so funny. He's so no. funny. He's like, very funny. It, he, I knew nothing he, about him, like, to be frank. No. He was I, French. Adam and I were chatting about him a little bit on Saturday. Uh, and he, it, 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 I honestly expected the book to be more dry, given that this guy is a, a, an undoubtedly a genius and a polymath. But he also has, like, He's a fantastic writer. I mean, obviously, you know, the um, the translation is fantastic by uh, Michael, Michael Henry. Henry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but but I mean, so, yeah, we just have like the Penguin Books edition, which is I mean, it's fantastic. It's uh, like the English is perfect. Um, like, I have to imagine this is a like a fantastic, excuse me, um, translation. Yeah. And am I like misremembering this? Because I was under the impression that like this book was <clears throat> like written kind of in a vague period of time and then was published posthumously. Well, it, it said that I, I looked it up and it said it was originally published in 85, but you're right. In the introduction, it says he that, died in 84. That's why I was like skeptical. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I was like, I don't because it, it was written in 85. <laughs> well, yeah. First published in 85. And yeah. like you just said, I mean, in the introduction, we read that, he re- did release like an excerpt, which wasn't received too fondly at, you know, um, at the time. But mm. I mean, clearly he was way ahead of his time because the book's hilarious. So, and, and in the and, introduction, and d- didn't it also add that it was not sort of well received for m- maybe like decades, if not a century? Like, pe- <laughs> people were just sort of confused and they thought it was like a mad book almost. Yeah, people did not get it at all. Yeah, which is like astonishing. I mean, it, it's a shame. I, I, it's like it, it holds up today as though it was written like 10 years ago. It, it's like, it's oh, like amazing. I mean, it, it holds up are... extraordinary. I mean, it's not that it holds up extraordinarily. It's that it only could be held up. It feels like in the future, like this guy was literally writing ahead of his time. There's no better example than this. Yeah. No. It, and it like, it, I mean, he's, he, and he knows he's a genius too. I mean, like, 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 like when he says like, you know, only geniuses should write and, 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 yes. and what, and what if one isn't a genius, one shouldn't write. So it's like, <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's beautiful writing. I mean, he's yeah. so funny and like the ideas are great. So, so that's actually yeah. worth mentioning. Um, you kind of hinted at it, but like, this is another book with like an odd structure. Like it, so there's, 
so obviously it seems like the main kind of narrative we're going to be looking for is Jacques and his master, right? Like those are the two primary mm-hmm. characters, but we also have it told from a kind of unnamed narrator um, mm-hmm. who um, at times will kind of just like go off on tangents <laughs> in, in the story. And he will mm-hmm. impose like a reader's perspective in like the writing, mm-hmm. like speak as if he was a reader and then co- like respond to said fictionalized reader. So it, it's a very interesting structure and it, makes uh you know it's a great for comedy um yeah and we'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll like he'll like put in lines for like the reader as if they were interjecting and he like mocks the reader <laughs> um well, there's, so. there's just this constant dialogue with the reader where it's like you know he's i mean sometimes like i don't know if this happened to you like things did pop to my head that he then like goes on to address <laughs> just like in a, yeah it's like you wanted to in, know like, about the third way yeah yeah he's like yeah. you want to know about the third man and it's like you know, he's, he, as the reader, he's like the third man, the third man. <laughs> yeah. or, or, or like, you know, Giffen, as you were saying, like he will kind of dip into like kind of side stories mm. where you'll just kind of get lost, like in these tales that the narrator's telling. And then he'll catch you and he'll say like, oh, you know, you're loving this right now, but don't you want to go back to the other? And it's just like, well, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I am enjoying this. And he's like, all right, we'll stay with this for a while. And it's like, okay. So <laughs> you, get yeah. a page, you get a couple pages of the continued thing. And then he promises like, oh, we'll get back to this later. And then you do. Um, well, maybe not all of them yet, but. He, yeah. he, he's like writing this as though he was able to sort of like clone himself write to himself and then respond as himself and then like filter that back into the it's honestly like a work of genius it is this is extraordinarily anticipatory like all the interjections that a reader might make and it sounds like all of the people who reviewed his work evidently did not like um kind of take people were dullards (laughs) this doesn't conform to the form of the novel (laughs) therefore I, i i was actually thinking about this and I want to hear from 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 you guys on this, but I was thinking about okay, how many authors have I actually read from the 1700s? I actually can't think of any that any books that I've read in full from the 1700s, other than you know the book we're reading right now. Like I I've read excerpts from like different books. I've point. I've read books, you know, earlier than the 1700s, obviously, like the Canterbury Tales by Chaucer or, you know, but but the point or, you know, like full Shakespeare, of course. Mm. But yeah, but like from the 1700s specifically, can you guys think of any books you've read from the 1700s? Um, I have read full works by Kant, Um, but that's not like it's a different genre, obviously. Um, Yeah. I mean, the other, the only other thing, I mean, it's like, it's from 1641, but is the um, Descartes meditations. Again, it's like a very short book, but it, but again, different genre. Like it it doesn't, you know what I mean? But once again, I I can point out books I've read before the 1700s, but but my point is, is that like, I don't know how much great literature was being produced during that period. It's not that there wasn't, Mm. it's that I just think that it you know there was like this sudden explosion in the 1800s where we can all just name countless authors we've read from like the 19th century but the 18th century i just wonder if like this is so ahead of its time you know you know what i mean like that's the point i'm driving at is of course like yeah so like it's it's crazy like this style was probably so unique yeah so in in terms of the context as well this was written 
by you know a frenchman before the revolution like the french revolution yeah, as well yeah. that's kind of important it's like pretty close to like the beginning as well of the revolution like by the time it was published it was written probably you know a decade or several decades before but um you wouldn't know that just from reading this it almost seems to anticipate like you know across dimensions you know it's there's yeah. kind of like subtle political commentary social commentary um this this kind of comedic through line and no i i was like actually looking through kind of like um famous works in the 1700s just because you asked the question i also was looking at my bookshelf and i don't think i've read anything from this time period like books yeah so this yeah. is incredible yeah no no literally besides just like a few pieces of academic philosophy that's it yeah, yeah. Like, so I, I can like, yeah. you know i can reference like certain like adam said excerpts that i've you know read around this time um you know i mean we're talking about like around the founding of the u.s so you know endless mm -hmm. you know political works there um for example but yeah. sure sure um books no 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 definitely not um and and like yeah so i mean there's not <laughs> there's really almost no narrativity to the story in any important sense maybe <laughs> you know i mean the, the basic detail is that so there are these two main characters that giffen you already mentioned jacques and his master uh <clears throat> and they're basically just traveling the countryside and the writer you know makes narrator it, the, yeah thank you the narrator makes it almost a point not to include sort of what they're doing or where they're going because he says it doesn't matter like the focus he, is on their dialogue he brings up like from the reader's perspective this kind of like where are they going like you know <laughs> you know where do they come from and the, like the narrator goes like oh, from where they were at and like they're going to where they will be it reminded me so much of um nagel's the absurd because he offered examples of places and said if it were at you know blank would that be more meaningful than if they came from uh, than, like another city? And he was just yeah. like, no, no. He's like, your mind craves these insignificant details. Yeah, he's anticipating yeah. kind of your response. And he's saying like, don't worry about these things. Focus on these other things. Um, the only thing I'll say is that like putting this down for a few days, like I did that um, between mm -hmm. like earlier last week and then um, like, like last Wednesday until like, you know, this Saturday, I was in the middle of this kind of like place where I had to kind of go back and read a few pages actually to kind of mm. get caught up because i was like in a side story um and <laughs> yeah. then like after the end of the side story which i had to go back to the beginning of it picked up on like the main narrative with jacques and his master and i was like okay i don't remember where we were at here so i had to go back again so um yeah. it's, it's better for bulk reading i think that, but that's like a very very mild comment not even like a real criticism i, I actually totally agree with you because it's I, when I have been reading this book, it's been for like a two hour period of time where I just like sit down and just like binge it, loving every second of it, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, but I do agree that it's, it would be a tough book to like pick up and try to read like 10 or 20 pages at a time. Cause it's just like, yeah, it, you know, because I read like, I think 70 pages and then it was like a three day break. And then it was like another 40 and I was like, I literally had to like reset, like very aggressively to like, fully grasp what was happening in the narrative, the sub narrative, and then like the narrator's comments of like anticipating the reader's response to like the sub narrative and the narrative. Mm. I was like, so that was a little bit heavy. And also there's not a very clear kind of um, superstructure of like chapters or anything. It's very much just kind of like yeah, flowing, yeah. you know? Which, yeah, what, it's so, essentially one long essay. Yeah. And, and, and okay. Yeah. So, you know, on, on, on like a lighter note here, what's, what, what was the funniest part that you have found so far? I, I like, um, 
keep in mind, like I've only read the first 90 pages okay. so far. Yeah, I'm not much farther than you, so I haven't seen that much more funny. Um, so I, my, I found, uh, I kind of want to start because this okay, is what I was sure. looking at before. But I wanted to make sure Adam had gotten to this point yet. This is mostly funny in the con in like our context, um, but this is on page like 80. Um, whenever the master is kind of commenting on Jacques, like kind of state of mind and like kind of philosophy and he says Jacques my friend you're a philosopher and I'm sorry for you <laughs> that, that line is so kind of stung especially like in the context of what we're doing here <laughs> I thought it was very 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 funny no um, I laughed at that I was just like <laughs> ah <laughs> yeah jo Jordan my friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> two two parts where I just cackled um so I I love the scene where Okay, so he was obviously like wounded in a battle, right? We don't know, you know, I, we might know the battle, but that's unimportant. But the point yeah. is that he was shot in the knee and he's being carted to the hospital, right? And um, <laughs> it's clear that, you know, this caravan that he's a part of, he's like near the back. So if, you know, if and when he makes it to the hospital, he might be dead by then. But he's passing by this the hospital cottage. might fill up by the even if they but, do but get it's there, possible right? sure but but at, they're passing this cottage and there's like a there's like a woman standing at the door right and like he call <laughs> he calls out to her and like she comes and like brings him inside and yeah. like begins to like tend to him and one of the early you know first things you notice is that like the husband is just like like a very <laughs> kind of irritable man just to, like and it's like he, he's very, very unhappy that his wife has brought in like this wounded soldier. And um, we, we soon learn why, because like like once they've sent off like their son to go get like a surgeon, like he he then reappears with like four different surgeons who, who, who all like who all demand like 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 food and, and wine. wine. And like they're not even like, you know, kind of like taking any care of, of Jacques, like. Jacques is just like lying on this cot while they're just like bickering, filling, just like bickering and filling themselves up with like you know like pretty much like the stores of this household. And, and, and this is a peasant family. It's a peasant family, and it's clear that there's some sort of like depression going on as well, where it's like like prices are high, like food is scarce, and and like the husband begins to like kind of like enter into like this refrain, where 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 it hits something along the lines of like. Why the devil was she at the door? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. and no, it's just that is. I was actually cackling at that. I was cackling because it was every time, like, because it, it, it would like For pages like, and pages every time. It's like, yeah, subtle exactly. interjection, but <laughs> exactly be like, like another round, and they'd be like, what, <laughs> like why, like why the devil was she at the door? <laughs> It's just like, like I'll, I'll stitch the I'll stitch the man up, but bring another bottle. No, why the devil was she at the door? <laughs> it's like, it's like this, this poor peasant guy is just getting his coffers like drained by these like half incompetent um surgeons that were <laughs> half of them weren't even welcome. Yeah, what the, the devil person? was she doing at the door? Yeah, yeah so that, that's the phrase. What the devil was she doing at the door? <laughs> it is, it is just like um. Like it, like the uh, and like the interjection of that phrase is always so perfectly timed too, mm. where there where Foundation there's like of comedy. yeah where there's like this lull where there's just <laughs> like <laughs> where, where it's just like um, I don't know like Jacques like laying in the cot and you know the the two peasants um, like the husband and his wife are like arguing off to the side and they're just like mm. you know, what are we gonna do about him and then she's just like. 
oh <laughs> no actually my favorite moments this one where like where like this like they're having a conversation with the surgeon <laughs> and they're like how long do you think it'll take for him to get better <laughs> oh, yeah. a month and he's like a month for at least and he's like what the devil what you doing to the door <laughs> <laughs> just burning through the savings yeah exactly <laughs> the peasant savings no it was like it was like the anguish of crop like yields are low bread prices are high and the he, wine stores are gone he was clearly like a calloused man who just like didn't care about his fellow frenchman <laughs> just like just, just, just you can't watching. even blame him too like these surgeons who probably are probably pretty well off are draining them in like one day no, it was horrible. And then they were both just like arguing about like having sex later that night. <laughs> that was deeply uncomfortable. Jacques just like staring at the ceiling, like listening to this conversation. Because they were like divided by this like very flimsy partition that was like almost see-through. You kind of got the sense where it was like yeah, you could kind of catch like you know glimmers of movement or something. Silhouettes. Yeah, and the wife was just like, but what if he hears? He's like, let him hear. <laughs> and then she's like, but but if you impregnate me, like then we'll have another mouth to feed and you'll blame me for that and beat me. And he's like, No, I won't do that this time. <laughs> they keep saying no no. no 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 to everything she says then finally she acquiesces and he's like yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah. <laughs> that was horrible <laughs> yeah I mean, but, but, and you but, won't blame me this time no no yeah yeah it was oh that and then Jacques just like you know just kind of passed out after that. <laughs> and then my other uh my other favorite scene that i i just cackled about <laughs> was was like the mad horse that um <laughs> oh, uh, that that wandered like, off to the gallows every time yeah and it's just like the interjections while he's trying to tell the story yes and, and just occasionally like you damn horse because <laughs> i guess it says that like he, it, it couldn't walk straight so it kept just occasionally like moving its head to like the left or the like or like yeah, the yeah. right where it just like it would just begin like walking off in a different direction like off the road essentially and you'd have to like kind of like you know jerk the horse back into place and yeah. Those interjections are hilarious too, because once again, <laughs> you're you're lulled like into the story, and suddenly you read like, like, uh, like I'll be damned with this horse, and it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, and, no, it was naturally integrated um, pretty well. It was at the end because a lot of the times it was like at the end of a paragraph of like content about the narrative or the you know the sub sub narrative whatever. Um, but like it'd be like you know, and then and then we were walking, you know, Jacques calling, and then we were walking to the damn this horse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were also like um there were also many uh, antiquated insults that I found very funny like in hindsight I mean partially because of the antiquated language. What my favorite one though was um while they're in the uh <clears throat> this is probably very close to where you stopped off Adam they're in the inn um or like the tavern or whatever uh, Jacques and his master and the um kind of like the the tavern the tavern owner's wife, who's kind of like the hostess, she's running everything. You know, she's kind of with trying the to dog. Yeah. With the dog, she's trying to take care of everyone. And just like, you're just some like angry patron, just like, and from another corner of the inn, a frantic man was shouting, damn you, you demented chatterbox. What are you doing? <laughs> I just love like the image of like, damn you. Damn you. <laughs> Damn you, you demented chatterbox. <laughs> he was just like waiting on his ale. He was just like, damn you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's just a very funny book. Yeah. Um, Let me see if I can find one of those quotes where he like he like the horse interrupts like um 
Here, you, you keep going. I'm going to look for that. So. Yeah, that was, I mean, that, that was really, I mean, that was the only funny thing that came to mind for me. I, I also did find, like, I, I found the other, it was like one of the digression stories, very funny, where I think you've gotten to this, Adam, where the, the, um, <laughs> where the baker's the wife. Baker. <laughs> yeah. Had, did, did you get to that, Adam? <laughs> I don't think so. No, oh, that, was, that was funny okay. as well. Okay, well, the third man in the prison in the sub narrative, which gets this an aside yeah. by the um. Okay, I won't ruin it, but it's it's like yeah. a very funny, just like mini story. It's like you know, a page and a half long or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, like, I guess I, I, I so so I I don't know. I, like the way I was kind of reading this story is the dialogue between Jacques and his master is. It's a conversational way to deliver packages of almost, not, I don't want to call it thought experiments, but just sort yeah. of reflections on different philosophical topics and just, I mean, just, you know, just life topics in general, which I, I thought was, it's, it's like, it's not an aphoristic book in the way that, you know, Sartre could be and Dostoevsky could be. I mean, there's not like, well, actually, I mean, cool. I mean, there's not a lot of lines that like have made it into common phraseology. He even remarks on that no. one time, like the, the devil, like why the devil was she at the door? He says will not be, you know, like inscribed in the halls of famous sayings or whatever. Yeah, because it's like missing a certain quality that other sayings have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, there were many quotes from this that I thought were just like brilliant and precise, just just like constellations of things that I've been thinking about for years. And he put it in just like a few sentences in a, like a perfect way. Yeah. Like a perfect way. Uh, yeah. Adam, did you find the, the horse paragraph? Cause I found a good one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, why, why don't you read yours? But I, I, I found some too here, but yeah, I, I found a paragraph that has like multiple. So I think this will be good. Yeah. No, so, for sure. you know, um, neither my protests, and then kind of dot, 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 neither my protest nor um, those of anyone else um, did any good. The only solution was to separate them. The minister of war was informed of their extraordinary um, persistence in these extremes of behavior. And my captain was given command of a fortress with strict orders to present himself there immediately and an absolute prohibition on leaving it. For his part, my captain's friend was forbidden from leaving the regiment. I think this damned horse will drive me insane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hardly had the orders of the minister arrived than my captain under the pretext of going to, you know, uh, present his thanks for the favor bestowed upon him left for court and you know blah 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 it's like since the minister only had it in his mind to separate these two strangers men these two strange men and since generous behavior always has an effect on people it was decided damned beast can't you keep your head straight it was decided <laughs> that my captain would stay in the regiment and his friend would be transferned um so it, it, <laughs> like, I, just like, you know what that like reminded me of Adam? ellipses mm -hmm. yeah. well, uh, it, it was the the modern day equivalent of that is like okay like you and i like multiple times have been driving in that subaru where we're both like having a conversation the car makes some ungodly noise and you'll just be like this damn car <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly it's, it's literally it's just, like the dialogue there is exactly how real life conversations go oh yeah exactly supernatural um very natural and, and like um, and like the, conversation the, the writing was so good that I, I just kept dipping back into the story that he was telling. And then just like that abrupt kind of halt as he would curse the beast that he was on. I mean, like, like the humor was so funny because like, I, I loved the idea that the, like the, the horse would just occasionally <laughs> just like 
just go full gallop like <laughs> off, off to like the gallows <laughs> stumble upon gallows and then yes. you go back to the master and the master would be like oh jacques like the like, premonition yeah, yeah but then the one time like it was like the third maybe second or third time the horse bolted towards the gallows and it said the master like threw his head back and laughed even after he <laughs> he himself had declared it like a premonition for the future <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was when the horse started like bolting down the road and it was just like like he was like off to find some more gallows cackling and it's like just like yeah. this demented beast that can't walk straight that occasionally just just lurches toward the gallows yeah. and it's just yeah. like oh. yeah now all of these kind of like natural interjections that might otherwise be called from like kind of a more pers- you know trimmed you know story or narrative um, I think added a lot to like the characterizations as well. Cause I've, I'm like super invested in these characters, even though we like, as like the narrator mm. remarks, like we don't know where they're going or where they're fr- coming from, but like, we're yeah. nevertheless super invested. We don't even know much oh. about them either. It's, <laughs> it's like, re- really, you don't know no. a whole lot. <laughs> no, actually it might be worth mentioning at this point that, so even within like the main narrative that is Jacques and his master, um, you know, aside from the narrator's interjections of side stories that may or may not be relevant to that, Jockin is trying to tell his master a story of his loves, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the sub narrative within the main narrative. Um, and that keeps getting interrupted by like, you know, in by people and events in Jock and the master's narrative and by the narrator himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, we, we kind of like, even like the one thing that we are kind of promised is like, we will find out about Jock because it's like, you know, the master's like, I will hear this damn story to the end, you know, um, even that keeps getting interrupted. So it's like, well, I'm not even sure if we'll get that promise in the end, but like, nevertheless, I'm super invested in these characters at this point. And it's, and it's like, that's a good story, but even if it were to end where we don't get a conclusion to that, I'm perfectly okay with that because exactly. the, the journey itself is so entertaining right now. <laughs> yeah. Where just like the constant interjections, like the nonsense that they get involved in. I mean, like I, I, <laughs> I, I loved the scene where they came across like, um, what was that like the cortege uh where it was like that black carriage being drawn oh. by like oh, yeah by you know uh like those dark horses and there was a guy with kind of like a floppy brim hat who was also in Boring pure black. black and then there were like you know priests as well um and, and this was like i it, it was like obviously like some sort of like funeral um procession yes. right for his captain he he surmised yeah supposedly right and yeah but then like you know like he he mourns like the death of his captain which that's also a super funny scene because as he's crying like you know oh i had i had a point about that yeah 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 go 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 ahead with that one because that's pretty funny was so funny because while he's he's just like weeping over finding out that his captain has died and to assuage the pain his master tells him this like gives it this like absurd diatribe basically about how he he almost like you know just had some like you know just like spun some yarn about how they were like romantically entangled and that made Jacques like so annoyed and like so angry at him that he he completely just you know his like his sorrow was transformed into annoyance and I actually thought like because at first I thought I was just like I read that I was just like laughing while I read it and I was like actually though that's exactly how like that's exactly how emotions work where I don't know it's just like I I don't know obviously like you know all three of us have talked to each other where we're like what you know someone's like upset over something 
And it's just like the weight, like you never actually fix the thing that they're upset about. I mean, if it's like minor, you obviously can. But like the way to actually make them feel better is to either make them like angry about something else or like <laughs> that's the choice you make. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know what I mean? Or like or no, just no, like, it's so true. It's so, you can so true. It. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like like And the master you know, comments that he's like, but see Jacques is like, why are you telling me this? Like I know I'm pissed, and then the master's like, ah, but now you're distracted. You know, like you're no longer mourning. Ooh. And, it, so. and it's it's clear like the master like didn't really have that intention, right? Like <laughs> like 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 you know like based on the dialogue he thought yeah. he was, and like if you read like what he was saying, like we, we could go through it, but I don't think it's obvious that it's about a lover, right? Mm. Like I I think that it it doesn't seem that way until Jacques recognizes that it's about like it was written by either a man or a woman. Jacques thinks it was written by a man, a, oh no, by a woman about his lover. Yes. So um. So like the thing is like it wasn't the text itself, but it was the recognition that it was written in this context for yes. a lover. That yes. it was just like <laughs> just infuriated. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was just yes. like you know. So the master was like, like Giffen said, "Oh yeah, well I, you know, I did this on purpose in a sense. Like, it, did I, did I not get the desired effect?" And it was like, you know, it, yeah, that was a pretty funny scene because he was yeah. just like, you know. It's like, my, I have a question for you, Master. What the devil are you doing? <laughs> like, or, what, or what the devil are you saying to me right now? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, know, I loved that. I loved that. because I, It's just like, I don't know, it struck home uh, for me. You know what I mean? Like, if you're just like, you, you know, you're just like concerned over something or whatever, like the, the instantaneous way to forget about that, she's become angry about something else. <laughs> Or, I don't know if there could be any emotion that could be transferred to, and Jordan's just like anger. Yeah, it's, so, it's so true. <laughs> or, or, or just like to get like you know get humor or anger, yes, but yes. you just have to direct the emotions away from yeah, or, or just change someone's you know kind of attitude. Yeah. Mm. Um, but kind of going like going back to like the like, like the funeral procession, I I love just like the oddities in this book, like the fact that like okay, Jacques had this sudden premonition that there was something there, there was a reason to return to the procession because he noticed that there was like something like a, like a new ring of people around the procession. And cause they were going to kind of encounter it again. Like they could kind of see it, but he was like, suddenly he had this premonition, like my master's not dead. And this was before mm. he even got close. Captain. So then he, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Captain. So then he like rides up to like the procession and the priests that had been traveling now had their hands tied behind their backs. Yeah. The, um, you know, the coach driver also had his hands tied behind his back. And suddenly that there were like armed, like militants, like in a sense, like surrounding the carriage. And it, we don't really know what the reason for that was. All we know is that when Jacques arrived, like one of them said, like, come any further and you're dead like with a weapon pointed at him and the yes. jock and jock was like turned okay around. and turned around like, <laughs> and, and it was implied that there are you know or at least they they were kind of thinking about oh they must have been using the coffin to smuggle some goods or something like that maybe maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. like it, it, it was never we never really kind of yeah. know what, what no. like what that was about there i mean it and i doubt we will find out yeah oh, no yeah no, no and, and it's all it's also like i don't know life is definitely full of those very just odd moments where your mental projections eerily fit onto the world 
but then are not answered fully in that way. It's ha- it's hard to come up with an example because it's hard to really kind of absorb them just because you don't get a resolution. But I've True. definitely had those just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, I've definitely just been on, I don't know, like public transportation or something. And just like had this weird feeling that like someone was definitely just like strange for no reason whatsoever. But then, you know, a few minutes later, that person will do something extremely strange, just like confirm every suspicion I had. But then, but then, you you know, you don't, that's it. Like you don't get to learn anything about like their backstory or, you know, it's just like this weird kind of fleeting moment where you're like, you're like, you're just projections on the, onto the world were confirmed and then just disappeared off the train. It's, yeah, it, it, yeah. It was so similar to me. Like right when I read that scene, I had like a flashback to nausea. Like whenever like Antoine sees the flasher in the park originally sitting <laughs> sitting on the bench yeah. alone, and there like he has sort of like this premonition as well that like something is odd, right? Like something about this is sinister. But you know, obviously it's a little bit different in this case. But there's certainly like this kind of feeling about the whole situation mm. that. You really can't put your finger on, but it's certainly, I've been in the situations before where something is just strange. Yes. Where you can't put your finger on exactly what it is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can point to several different things, but it's just suddenly the atmosphere has changed. And um, yeah, that was one of these, other, that was like another scene like that for me here where it was like, there was something deeply strange about that scene. Yes. Um, yes. Like it, it just, it also reminded me of, um, <clears throat> It also reminded me of just like the unbelievable nature of life sometimes. Like, I feel like I've had many of these experiences where just, I don't know, like, remember when I told you guys about that insane experience on the bus ride to Maine with that guy with like the face tattoos? It was just like, okay, that was like an insane experience that was not resolved at all. No. It just, it was just like, it, it was literally like a page and a half digression. Do you know what I mean? In the in the yeah. story, it would be like if I was telling you guys about, you know, you, you know, like one of you were my master, and you would just be like, "Tell me about like where you've traveled." It would be just like a little interlude in the travels, or it, I don't, I don't know. It just it struck me that like that that actually is how life is experienced. No, for sure, and like I, there were just so many strange things about that scene. Like for example, like like members of that caravan of that procession, like confirmed that um like okay this was like a procession for like the dead captain Mm. and it's like okay well they could have just said that okay well why were his arms there Mm. okay well maybe they stole his arms but it was like each of these things made it almost seem like okay yes this in fact was like a funeral procession for the captain but was it at the end like (laughs) it, it very well could have been like i feel like they almost like decided on like kind of like an answer to what it was without actually confirming what it was where they were like oh yes what it was probably it was probably you know them smuggling you know loot essentially right but but in reality we don't we have no idea not a clue (laughs) this might have to get cut but this literally reminded me of something from our childhood we're like (laughs) and i i don't know this might have been like i don't know that you were involved with this you might have been but like adam do you this might have to get cut. I don't know. Adam, do you remember we were in my church? Um, and it was literally exactly like this, where we both just noticed something extremely odd about like the, you know, like the um collection plates, how they were taken into the back and counted by the one guy. 
And then we just thought, oh, that's strange. But then like the, you know, it was his captain's suit of armor, they confirmed it. We, we uncovered all of these just like very strange details too about how, you know, this one guy would just count the money of all of the collections. Much of it was in cash. And then also we discovered that that guy and his wife were both like public school teachers, but they had this like mansion basically. Yeah. And it was just like, Whoa, that's odd. And then we also figured out that the treasurer was that guy's son-in-law. We were like, Oh, that's (laughs) weird. And I, I still recall like as kids, like, like, I think you had to go up these stairs to get to the room where, where, like where they would count the money. And we, we began following like, like with why like there weren't people around, we started like walking up those stairs, and we were immediately like met at the top of the stairs by like with someone who came out of the door, and they're like, "You may not come up here." Yes. And then and, yes. and like and like all like select few were allowed to like ascend into this room to like like where the money was, and it was yes. it was all there was always something very sinister about that. I like, know, and it never got resolved, and we just had to sort of like Jacques. I mean, you know, maybe maybe it, later in the book, like you know, the question of his captains life gets answered uh but we i mean we never got an answer to that you know what i mean unless it yeah. I, we probably won't unless it's like you know breaking on the news in like years or whatever you know to, to, 12 million dollars in ties <laughs> uh, tithes going to a school teacher's mansion yeah you know? 12 million <laughs> yeah i mean who knows who knows whether there was even like a shred of embezzlement there but there was no. always there were always there were signs that we noticed that hinted toward embezzlement so and, it, and there was just like a deep I, I don't know why, but it almost makes me sad to think that some of this is going away the the longer I live. And maybe it's just like that childlike kind of, you know, almost like the openness to possibilities. Or maybe it's also just that things were less digitized back then. But it just seemed like, I don't know, it, it seemed like the world was kind of full of these very strange possibilities. And I don't know. Maybe it also has to do with like the type of life you're living now where there's not, I don't know. You know, you could think if like your life is too, like we were talking about routines or whatever before this, like if your life gets too entrenched in a routine, you don't have the opportunity to see kind of the strangeness to it. I don't know. I, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I think it's a big part of it. It's like mental like... energy going into the observation too kind of might be the thing. Like, I think all, it's all yeah. too easy if you're like busy to like just ignore things that aren't directly relevant. Well, and also think about like how often you actually just observe the world. Nowadays, it's fucking never. Yeah. You know, it's never like we, I don't know, when we were growing up, we were forced into many situations on like a daily experience, essentially, where the only thing you had to entertain yourself was what was going on, like in the, in the situation. You know what I mean? But 100%. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. I definitely, I definitely have a, almost like a, uh, uh, just like a desire to go back to that in many ways you know it's just like yeah i mean it's great that my phone has like you know i can just find out anything i want to know at any time but like i don't most of the time i use it just fuck off you know yeah Um, yeah no i agree with that like i think it does kind of like reduce like the strangeness of life and just like and yeah i mean what would we be doing otherwise if we didn't have phones well, we might be like, you know, spending evenings in like, you know, in the city where we would observe things like this all the time. I mean, I'm at, I imagine like, I mean, even like the other weekend when I was in New York City, 
just mm. walking around, I observed a ton of crazy stuff just walking around nice. New York City. Yeah. Right. So it's like you you don't you definitely don't get those those moments on a phone. No, you know? no, yeah. no. Um yeah. I do do you guys want to talk about I mean, I definitely thought the at least one of the main themes running through the book so far was extremely interesting. You know, obviously it's Jacques the Fatalist. Uh, <laughs> right. And I mean, <clears throat> I, I mean, we can just talk about, I have like a bunch of notes that I thought were very interesting about this, but basically, you know, Jacques is <laughs> even given, you said he's almost derided by his master as a philosopher. <laughs> yes. uh, and he is very much a fatalist in the sense that he believes, you know, he kind of has that mantra that he just constantly almost chants mm-hmm. in retort to people. You know, if it's written above, it'll happen that way. Or, you know, it was written it, above. It must or, have been written above. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, and apparently, I think he got this expression from his captain as well. So that kind of ties back to the. Hmm. Um, I didn't catch that. There were a lot of his yeah. expressions okay. that like the, he just kind of picked up from his captain. Okay. Um, so I think that was one of them. Um, he embraces it though. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's this, there's this like tension that runs through the book where obviously, you know, Jacques is someone who believes that in some sense, his fate is, is inscribed in it's the like universe pre-or- already. Pre-ordained. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he talks about destiny. Um, but yet, because he doesn't know what his destiny will be, he has to sort of act as if he were free in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, that and, sounds and about and right. It, and it's like he actually has like a very sophisticated like understanding of like what it means to be free. Because like mm-hmm. he recognizes like, I mean, there's, you know, a certain dialogue earlier in the book where he, you know, says something <clears throat> along the lines of, you know, how could I not be myself? How could I be anything other than myself? Right. In the sense that, you know, you know, he, he acts in such a way that is consistent with his character and nothing more. Right. There's no alternative. Exactly. It's like (laughs) his behavior is a reflection of him and ultimately his behavior couldn't have been otherwise because it's a reflection of, who he is and like his character <laughs> his characters in some sense is like immutable and if it is mutable then it's you know outside of himself so it's yeah so I, I i think there's like a more sophisticated view of like um free will and maybe just like fatalism like you know like the word might imply you yeah know? yeah no that and, and that <clears throat> like the tension there is a it's not like an unhappy one in the book either, because he, 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 I mean, he recognizes that sort of whatever will happen will happen. And there's nothing that you can really do. I mean, he, you know, he, he, um, like he kind of introduces this idea like early on in the book where they're, tra- you know, he and his master are traveling and remember they barricade those men in the room. Just yeah. so they, it was like, it was like, it was preemptive defense, remote, you know? Yeah. Um, and, it, and it ended up, well, they were the, concerned for a moment that it was backfiring. Yeah, with well, a mat, like the, the you know, they, they barricaded those guys in the room and then uh, just went to sleep. And his master was just kind of you know f- fretting about you know wh- well, like what if they break down the door? Like what if they get in here? Like what if they just kill us in our sleep? And Jacques responds, you know, like well, whatever will happen will happen. We've already barricaded the door. Like we can't unbarricade it and then go to sleep. Like that's not an option. So he's like, well, we've already done the best we can. Now it's just time to sleep. And 
I don't know. Like, honestly, whenever I'm curious, like if you relate to this, Adam, but I think that whenever I'm in the best kind of life and mental state, my, I like very much echo that thought process where it's just like, do whatever you're going to do. And then you can't like, that's all you can do. There's no, you know, it's just the thing where like Jacques master staying up and fretting over what will happen doesn't do any good. That, that's where I'd like to be. Like, I, yeah. like there are probably, I'd have to like think on it, but like rarely have I been in a position in like in life where I'm like able to take that more stoic kind of mindset mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, everything within my control, you know, I've, I've done as much as I can and yeah. it will be what it will be after that. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I feel like you have to have like a very strong contentment with your actions and that take that stance because yes. otherwise you'll kind of be built, you know, almost pre regretting, you know, your previous <laughs> actions. Um, but if you, you kind of were like, you know, regardless of what the results are, like, or happy with the decisions you made with the information you had, then I feel like you can take that stance reasonably. But so I feel like I've done that before, but it very much I'm a warrior. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's all too easy to just go like ah, oh, a million different things could have been different. I, it's definitely just an indicator that I am just I, I'm sort of um I don't know like in in the right flow is not exactly the way to put it, but things are humming along smoothly. Like when I have that mentality, you know what I mean? Oh, no, exactly. oh, no, for sure, for sure. I was yes. gonna, that's what kind of my point was. Yeah. Is like things had to have gone well from your perspective, even after the decision was made, even before you know the results, in order to take that perspective. Yeah, because I, yeah. I remember like I remember after I submitted all of my applications to the grad programs, I was just like, I was so I was being so stupid. I was being like Jacques Master. I was just like, oh, I would think like I could have phrased this better and like the one per I could have alluded to like this philosopher from there or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, but enough. Like th- they're in. Just you know what I mean? Just stop. Like that's not gonna do any good. Cause I would literally sit there and, like, with a n- pure negative. It's so stupid. It, it doesn't it doesn't get you anything. Um yeah it's like uh i i wouldn't consider myself a very fretful person like not an especially one Mm. um but i i've it's hard to kind of i i can remember certain situations in college where Mm. i i was able to adopt that mindset where it's like you know i i did everything i could for this exam you know and i mean so at this point like however it turns out like i'm okay with it because i know like what i've and but unfortunately, though, those were typically the exams like I did very well. Right. So because <laughs> so it didn't really mean anything. Right. Because like mm. I had done everything I could. So but once again, like it really is contingent on my behavior. Right. Yeah. Like mm. like if I've done everything right and I've been doing everything right. Yeah, totally. I could be in that mindset. Yeah. But, I'm, but it requires I'm, it. I'm rarely in that spot though, where it's like there isn't something nagging <laughs> me, where it's just like ah, I could have, I could have, I could be doing this better, or I could have done this better. You know what I mean? It's just like I don't so, know. Yeah. There, there's also like a present tense version of that though, where I, I don't know who this originates from, uh, but you know, there's that saying that's like okay if there's something you can do about it, then don't worry, do the thing you can do. And if you can't, then don't worry. Cause you can't do anything, you know, like that, that sentiment it's all, I, I like, I don't know. I don't tend to be this type of person, but I've definitely had experiences where 
Um, well, you know, even like I was talking with uh, you guys before we started the call and just like, I kind of wake up and there's like a thousand things that I need to do before moving. And I can approach that from one of two mindsets. I could just like fret and worry about just like getting all that shit done. Or I can just kind of like, for lack of a better word, relax and do it. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to be just like anxious while you're doing the thing that you have to do. Just fucking do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think like the biggest change in mindset for me that I think maps on best to this um, is my, is like whenever I begin working out and cause mm. I, I, cause I, I'm all, I like, you know, I bemoan the fact that I'm out of shape whenever I'm not working out. <laughs> yes. But once I start working out, I'm like, okay, I'm on the right track. Right. Like I'm doing what I can to be in shape. So there's no reason to like bemoan the fact that I'm not in shape anymore because I'm doing <laughs> what I can yeah, to be in yeah, shape. 100%. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. once I, that, I think like, you know, I, I typically adopt that mindset once I'm like in those habits. So when you once, can't once, point to a clear like weakness of will. <laughs> um, exactly. Exactly. It's so like you could be like, like, I was actually like at the gym today and like on the stationary bike next to me was this huge guy. Like this guy was like horribly overweight, but he was like actually for like on there for like 40 minutes, just doing what he could, you know, yeah. it's like he, he didn't seem to be like, you know, fretting. He was definitely sweating though. <laughs> um, but, <you> know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean like at a certain point, like it actually doesn't, it can't be a positive thing to just kind of fret if you are already on the path you need to be on. Right. It's, it's just kind of like, you're the doing the worst thing. too. Like the worst case scenario is when you just worry about something and then you also don't fix it. Like that's just the worst <laughs> of both possible worlds. Oh, that's 100%. miserable. 100%. Which is just like, dude, that's like, that's like a mental illness, honestly, that like, I like, I don't think I often fall into that, but it's just horrible when you do. Cause you're just like, I don't know, especially things that are outside your control can definitely turn into that, you oh, know, yeah. like where, whether it's like grad admissions or whatever. Uh, and it's just like, I can't control this thing, but yet I am involved with it or what, you know, it's just like that, that, like, that's the fuck, that is the worst feeling in the world. Actually, I, I take back what I said. I do slip into paralysis where mm. I, I do, you know, become fretful of my inaction which just further causes because it's inaction. exhausting to fret. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. It's extraordinarily mentally taxing to fret. Yes. It's horrible. You, you, all the energy that could be going in towards making decisions has gone into regretting decisions. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. The, yes. The tank is empty. And well, yes. And it, yes, and it also reminds me, like I told you guys, like my days are so wide open at this point where like anything can be done at any time. No structure. It, it reminded me of that just inane habit I have that we talked about in the Dostoevsky Dostoevsky um, notes from underground part one, where you just try to like over optimize everything. And I'm just thinking oh, like, yeah. okay, I'll do this and then this and then this and, and it would oh, actually make sense to do this first. And it's like, just shut up, just shut up. And just like, like you you've put the gas to... into like the thinking engine, but the car is not moving. <laughs> no, you're just like revving the engine in neutral. It's just like, okay, just dude, it just doesn't just put it in gear and just start to drive in the general direction. You don't have to like, it's so annoying. You're sacrificing efficiency by trying to plan your efficiencies. It's like overheating your phone on Google maps to find like the ideal route when you just know the route already and you can just it's it's so stupid it it is maybe the number one thing that i hate about myself is that i do that and it's so annoying once um, again i've never done that yeah I've, it's, I've never over planned in my life it's so annoying never i i under plan i'm the exact opposite i'm just like 
I don't. Well, I don't. I, I don't I, not underplan. <laughs> well, you know what's weird Both. is, dude. I will literally. I love underplanning when it comes to things that are fun. Like if we're doing a trip or something. Like every time uh, I fly out to see Brian and we hike, we barely have a plan put together. We just do whatever, and that's the best. It's the best. But then when I'm trying to figure out, like four goddamn hours in the morning i'm just like how could we best optimize this time it's just like it's so stupid it's so stupid and i don't know why like my brain defaults into that state and it's so like i have to stop because it's so it's so tiring what makes it especially funny is like like (laughs) like (laughs) i like 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 giffen said earlier you're like covetous of your time and (laughs) it's it's even funnier when your time's wasted given this mindset that i hear where it's just like you you plan out every single hour so when someone just steals like a, like, like, like a block of four hours like i could i can understand why You've that just molded, you. molded that <laughs> hour perfectly and some oaf comes along is like hey uh i need you to haul bricks for an hour and, and you know like, what's you, you know what? what's you know what's funny is that actually whenever i because because like everything there are times when i'm planning everything and there are also times where i'm just completely not doing that and living every day like it's a hiking trip with brian you know what i mean and when i find myself planning shit out it is it is synonymous with not getting a lot done but feeling exhausted at the end of every day it's so stupid like i literally i was i was literally talking to giffen about what i was planning on working on tomorrow in what order and then i realized i was like dude this is so dumb this is so dumb like just wake up and do whatever you want to like first do just just check stuff off in whatever order you want that's so funny that you do that i've it's never done so that. annoying <laughs> i do that too no, it's so annoying because i have a podcast dude, I like i think it's like it's like a not a phobia, but just like, I don't know, something that I slip into where like, I have a podcast at five tomorrow with a guest. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to wake up and read the text or whatever, and then go to the gym. And then it's supposed to be nice out in the morning. So I need to like work on my car a little bit in the morning. Uh, and then it's supposed to rain. So I'll take that time to review or whatever. And it's just like, okay, if it works like that, that's a great plan. But it's not going to work like that. You know, it's like, it's just not, I don't know. Something's going to take longer than I think it will. Or like, it's just, I don't know. It fucking makes me so mad. It makes me so mad um, that I do that. But I'm sorry, that was a little bit of a digression. Because I I actually thought, um, I wanted to read this one quote. Because like, I actually, I read this quote and I fucking loved this. Um, Page? It's very short. It's on 29. Um, This is, it's a quote by Jacques. He says, Because without knowing what is written up above, none of us knows what we want or what we are doing. And we follow our whims, which we call reason, or our reason, which is often nothing but a dangerous whim, which sometimes turns out well, sometimes badly. And he continues later on. How many wisely conceived projects have failed and will fail in the future? How many insane projects have succeeded and will succeed? And it was just like, I I read that and I was just... I loved it because it's so, I mean, it just hit me as so deeply true where it was just like, (sighs) yeah, he's kind of questioning like a perception of free will here. Cause I don't think you read this part, but he says like right prior to the last part of you interjected, is it we who control destiny or destiny, which controls us, you know? Yeah. He's talking, he's pointing to this, this like intrinsic unpredictability to life where 
sometimes, I mean, this goes to exactly what I was talking about. Sometimes you, you have this rational plan and it's all put together and it just burns you. And then other times you do stuff in an, you know, he calls it an insane whim and it works out perfectly. And it's so true. It's so true. I mean, there are just countless instances like this. I mean, you know, I, I like, yeah, so much of life is outside of your control. Yeah. But you I have mean, to yes. kind of address that and deal with yeah, it. Yeah, and, and, and it's also, it's just like we, I feel like we definitely overestimate what is within the purview of our control. It, it, it's so little. It's so little. I don't know. I, I feel like I have some angst over that fact. <laughs> so maybe I, I'm conscious of that more than you guys. It actually should, uh, it, it, I think like this dialogue should actually alleviate some of that angst because whether you over plan or under plan, well, I mean, like, I think like there's like the, I mean, I'm going to butcher the quotes. I'll just paraphrase it, but this is another thing you got from his captain. Um, Mm. Another quote, which is something along the lines of, okay, prudence is something that, you know, men acquire essentially to um, explain away kind of, misfortune whenever they've planned properly Mm. right like like in the sense that like okay if you're prudent before entering you know some sort of endeavor okay if it goes poorly at the very least you can say i was prudent upon entering it you know what i mean but other than that it's more of like like a consoling you know like device rather than like anything that will necessarily lead to like a better outcome just given how much things are outside of our control, which I liked yeah. as well. So I just, I don't know why, but it connected with me so strongly um, <clears throat> because I, I, it's like, I don't know. It, it's, it's so like, I just, I just feel like we waste so much energy trying to control everything, you know? And it's just, I don't know. It, it, it almost goes back to um, the conversation we were having before about the, like the, just the sheer absurdity of life and almost taking refuge in that where it's just like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's Sisyphusian for sure. It's like, well, I know that no matter if I spend 80 years just nonstop planning, like the amount of control I will have over the variables is minuscule. And yet, like every day I find myself picking up that boulder and pushing it up the hill. <laughs> Am I getting to the top? No. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe sometimes I feel like I'm getting further up, but, you know. I, I don't know how the book ends, but I, I get the sense that Diderot would very much align with... um like Nagel's solution to the absurd, where he would just say, yeah, it's, it's not that big a deal in a positive or a negative direction. It's just like, yeah, just, just introduce a little bit more irony into your life. Just, you know, like, you know, just maybe allow yourself to smirk a little bit that like, wow, I put so much time and effort into this and it went the other way, you know, or, or, or the opposite. Or, and it's, and it's also deeply, it's even strange when things do going to go, go according to the plans. Like, how was it? that I was able to c- correctly predict the universe almost in this way. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> no, true. The universe true. is, you know, collaborating in my favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, you get lucky when the plan goes to, you know, goes as it should. And you get lucky sometimes when the plan doesn't go as it, as it should. It's just, uh, yeah. Uh... Yeah. I don't know. I, I am loving the book though. So far. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's an all time read for me so far, Oh, so yeah. far. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I might go top top five or top ten myself so far as well. I mean, we'll see obviously yeah, how yeah, it concludes, but yeah. but I I it's so unique. Like I've never read a book like this. It's amazing. Uh, Can it's, I? It's oh, time. It, it's just timeless. 
I mean, you would like, like, like we said earlier, you would never know this was written in like the 18th century, except for like, you know, like Cossacks, the battles or, yeah. or, or, yeah. or the fact that like, the the ma- like the master continues to like, you know, inhale from the snuff box, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, just like, they're obviously like outdated, you know, references, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Can I, can I read another quote that yeah. just like hit home for me? Um, this is Jacques talking to his master again. He says, master in life, one never knows what to rejoice about or what to feel sorry about. Good brings bad after it and bad brings good. We travel in darkness underneath whatever it is that is written up above. All of us equally unreasonable in our hopes, our joys and our afflictions. When I cry, I often think that I'm a fool. And I just like, I don't know that again, that hit me again. Where and because his master responds, and what about when you laugh? And Jacques responds, I still think that I'm a fool. However, I can't stop myself from crying or from laughing. And and it's just like, I mean, again, in in like pre-discussing the book Saturday after the game night, Adam and I were talking about how like you just you can never know the counterfactual to anything. And it's so funny that it's just like um we're we're like trapped in this very paradoxical state. That again, I think the only solution is just to be a little bit more like ironic or a little bit more relaxed about where it's just, if you look back on literally anything that ever happened in your life, <clears throat> you have no idea what the counterfactual was for even the smallest of decisions. And we can easily recognize that, but then we have the hubris to actually think that our projections about the future are accurate and sort of can be controlled and can be shaped to the outcome that we want. And it's just like we and fail. you can cite like your previous like observations about counterfactuals that you don't have access to. Exactly. And you it's just a like, simple thing of like I'm, I can turn left at the stop sign instead of right. Like you actually don't know exactly what have happened there. No, you have. It's literally. I mean, anything. It, like the smallest thing, you have no idea. And. I feel like we don't realize how often we are in a state of perpetual blindness. Both there's no knowledge that we have about counterfactuals in the past and none about the future. <laughs> Literally none. Like we're living yeah. in this just present moment of blindness yeah. in a way, I, I, in a way that I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I feel like it is definitely not something that, I don't know. It's definitely not something that is just like in the zeitgeist, I guess. Like pe- people are always just planning about like, oh, their 401k projected to be at this by this date and I'll be retired at this age. Or it's just like, ah, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You know? I don't, I'd say near <clears throat> blindness. I feel like we as humans can kind of scrape some basic, you know, correlations. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of basically the, the frontier. No, I, I agree with that, Giffen. Like you, you can definitely like, okay, this pattern of behavior will lead to this mm-hmm. pattern of outcomes. Yes. But, right. like, yes. but like, Any, this, even but like, science has to kind of address the fact that it's like, we don't have access to the, like the real counterfactuals and such. Mm. Um, even science has to kind of admit to like our huge limitations. Yeah. Extraordinary yeah. limitations of knowledge. And, well, I guess it's also it's also usually pretty clear. I guess you can always define things in a negative sense too, where it's like, okay, I mean, obviously, like if I don't undertake certain activities, it's not possible for me to have certain outcomes. You know what I mean? Like I will never get in shape if I literally just never choose to work out. 
So it's like you can sort of know some negative counterfactuals. Even I guess. then, you could probably imagine some like uh, Jockian kind of counterfactual where you just get in shape, never visiting a gym. No, of course. You I know? mean, it, it's it's like like you actively choose not to go to the gym, but then suddenly, like thirty years down the line, there's like a new pill out that just like <laughs> that just like slims you down. And and once again, it, it, it's not to say that that could happen or that's a likely thing. It's just that like there would be like just like true absurdity to that, like in the sense that, you know, you weren't prudent about your health, but ultimately you just ended up. And, but, but I'm sure like there are many situations akin to that, right. Where it's yeah. like, you know, perhaps, I mean, I think we've all had scenarios where we weren't like, especially prudent, but things turned no. out well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've had that happen many times in my own life where like, I just, I, I didn't plan properly like i i I mean the number we've talked about this before but like the fact that i literally happened to choose Pitt over penn state not planning on going into philosophy but it happened to be the case that Pitt is like number four in the world and penn state is you know whatever it's like like absurd 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 and and like who i mean it's like I don't know. Like you There's didn't even some... know you were rolling these dice, but you got snake eyes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's it's crazy. We're just like constantly rolling dice about things that <clears throat> most of the rolls won't even show up for. You know what I mean? It's like you, you don't even know like what futures you've either closed off or potentially opened constantly. Yeah, back to the fig tree quote. <laughs> the knowledge of the yeah. kind of frontier possibilities being like nearly endless. That can be kind of exhausting mentally, but um yeah i mean the reality is a million things that you just don't you can't simultaneously imagine every possible you know alternative conclusion or you know possibilities based on previous actions um they're all kind of just roles that happened and maybe you weren't conscious of them i liked <clears throat> there was also a point um made about sort of like it was an epistemic point i guess that kind of flowed in the same vein um a few quotes from 64 and 66 that I had about it. I I really liked this is Jacques talking. He says, uh, has not everyone, his own character, his own interests, his own tastes and passions, according to which he either exaggerates or attenuates everything. Tell the thing as it is. You say that might not happen twice in one day in a, in, in the whole of a large town. And is the person who listens any better qualified to listen than the person who speaks? No. Which is why in the whole of a large town, it can hardly happen twice in one day that someone's words are understood in the same way as they are spoken. And it's not just that one's words are hardly ever understood in the same way that they are spoken. Even worse is that it is, sorry, even worse than that is that one's actions are hardly ever judged in the way that they are performed. And I just, I loved that quote too, because he's like, okay, I mean, he's almost like piling on to the fact that we never know kind of, yeah, like I said, we're blind with respect to the counterfactual. It's like, okay, we're also getting just sloppy input informationally, you know, from people. And it, I, I, I don't know. I loved, he just says later on 66, life is a series of misunderstandings. There are misunderstandings of love, misunderstandings of friendship, misunderstandings of politics, finance, church, the law, commerce, women, husbands just trails off. I mean, it's like, I, I don't know. It's so true. It's like that, that actually is how life works. Like you have an idea in your head. You try to approximate it with your own words. 
those words are then filtered by whoever's listening through whatever is going on in their life currently. However, you know, your relationship is constituted. Everything is just like an approximation yeah. of everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They may nod along and not understand the same way you do, or they may disagree and just, you know, understand or not understand major points. It reminded me of um, Dostoevsky's kind of point that our greatest advantage is the fact that we can act to our disadvantage and sort of be free in that sense. Um, where it's just like, you know, he, he, it's not even, even if we, you know, Dostoevsky would obviously say you shouldn't want to be sort of like the most rational man or act to your greatest advantage all of the time, because then you cease to exist almost. But it's like, even if you wanted that, that's actually not even on the table. You know what I mean? Like epistemically, it's just, it's just not. No, it's not. I mean, if you were presented with perfect knowledge that you could trust that you would be most fulfilled in life staying currently, you know, or at your current job, just, just for the rest of your life. I wouldn't even trust it. Yes. I yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, how, I mean, like, yeah, how, yeah, I know. I know. It was like, um, it was like, I don't think we actually talk about this, but in existentialism is a humanism where Sartre is commenting on the fact that, you know, when Abraham is told by God to sacrifice <laughs> yes. his son. Yes, yes. He, I was just he, thinking about that. Abraham himself must actually even be sure. Am I actually talking to God right now? Even a if the knowledge is perfect. Thing. Yes. Yeah. And there are real world <laughs> examples where like, you know, people do horrible acts and then claim that they were told to by God. It's like yeah, the, oh, the yeah. line between like a psychopath and, you know, some like the most supremely devout Christian is very thin, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that, if that woman was actually divinely inspired, like she would be a saint. That woman that drowned her kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> there's no better faithfulness to God than like literally sacrificing <clears throat> everything that you care about. Oh, of at the course. same time, like if, if that was just a little bit of like neurons misfiring, that's that's not good. Yeah, no, it's like if God <laughs> and, and she, to do she that, didn't debate that, you know, it was God. Yes, no, it and it's just like okay, even if you have perfect knowledge, you have to choose to accept <laughs> the perfect knowledge. You, there yeah. is no escape. There's no escape. Yeah, it's like th- this really kind of tears down the idea that such thing is accessible. Even even theoretically, it kind of breaks down. Um, yeah. Like yeah. if, if you can't even be certain of like any basic premise is counterfactual, like how on earth do you make such a decision? No, like Abraham. no, it's just, no, I'm, I'm, awesome. I'm I, I, this book is just speaking to my soul right now, honestly, like in a, I can't think of a better moment in my life to read this. You know, like I, I, I obviously I think this moment or, or um, this book is like apropos for literally any moment in anyone's life to read, but, I think it hits even a little bit differently in this moment of sort of wild uncertainty for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. True. It's just, I feel like that's just like an amplifier of everything he's saying. (laughs) And Adam (laughs) seems to be the opposite. The most rigid structure imaginable. It is right now, but but that's still good. (laughs) So it survives both, you know, both angles. Sure. But I mean, it does compel me to, to seek something else, but I, you know, um, much of this unit that we've gone through has, but yeah, yeah. you know, but you know, it's also a bit of stoicism involved on my part right now where it's like, okay, I I've made peace with where I'm at right now in the mm. sense that like, I have a plan. I know what I want to do making it work. And 
I don't know. I mean, like, currently I can't be doing anything other than what I'm doing right now. So, <laughs> and, and you don't know that it actually would have been better to have happened according to plan. Like, not just, you know what I mean? It's, sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. What emotionally seems like a huge burden now, you can look back and say, like, maybe it's almost stereotypical, but like, <laughs> that might have been the greatest thing ever. Um, Who knows? Doors right? are open that you Who didn't knows? know. Who knows? Yes. I mean, there could literally be like a horrible experience or whatever that <laughs> itself actually precluded a way worse outcome i was gonna say i think in the book i think jacques it, I, this might be a little bit beyond adam i don't remember exactly i think jacques at one point kind of points out the fact that one of the greatest things that's happened in his life was that he was beaten <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah <laughs> i think this was in context with like the dogs so that might have been beyond yeah adam it's at the beyond moment, but adam, like yeah but just barely like he's almost at it so like <laughs> the very <sighs> fitting moment where he jacques is just like sitting there like philosophically arguing like ah oh, but but should we deny this like it could be a transformative moment <laughs> like a beating the master says <laughs> i i do definitely understand how jacques sort of ideas about fatalism intersect with that conclusion because it's like i i kind of do understand how that seems to sort of tamper down his reactivity to things do you know what i mean it's like when, when you have that you know he's a character but if you have the infusion of that almost humility in a sense where it's like you just don't know anything it's i i I kind of understand how that would make you you know it's just it just it it kind of allows you to i don't know it's a cliche but like enjoy the ride a little bit more yeah it in a weird way it kind of intersects with kind of like that kind of christian belief of like you know god works in mysterious ways you know where it's like even though like there's clearly a enormous (laughs) negative here like I, I don't want to like necessarily map myself onto that, but like in a certain way, like in, in Jock's presentations, like, yeah, if you take that perspective where you actually just admit that you have such little knowledge, like, mm. you know, you kind of can take the attitude of like, you know what, let's actually see, like, see how, you know, this contributes um, yeah. to the path on. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, obviously the Christian formulation of that is a little bit, childlike in the sense that it's always framed as like you know there's a greater good you just have to see it and like, or that there, you, yeah there's there's one that is actively being like you know um intelligently designed whereas exactly like, Diderot would be just the like, priors are off but and, and you know Diderot would probably point out well like okay i mean the flip side of the coin is true too it's like you don't know how much you've lost you know like, it's, <laughs> like both are true you have, yeah. you have you know escaped many many perils but you've actually foregone many feasts of of fortune yourself you know yeah yeah so it's just like but but then again like he even says jacques response to the fact that you can never know anything for sure is just he says to not give a damn so it's just like yeah yeah i mean that's he's like like channeling or nagel you know 200 years before nagel channeled nagel So yeah. I I don't know I'm lo- I, I'm loving this book I can't wait to finish it for a part two yeah this has Maybe to be too. one of the more underrated books um, yes because like I, I literally could because I try to like um, see if there's like other like secondary YouTube content for example or like you know online discussions and forums about like works whenever we discuss them occasionally or like audio books if I can listen to it more freely because it's more flexible with my work mm. schedule and there's like nothing on this there's nothing there's it's, so it's little content. Um, I think one of like the first result if you look at this on YouTube is like a f- video with like 400 views. It's like <laughs> how critically undervalued can this be? It's an, it's a gem. This is a gem. It's a complete gem. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gem.
<laughs> I don't know that I have anything really much else to say about it. I mean, we'll obviously. I think we can tie everything, yeah, back together once we get to the end. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely continue with a part two, which I hope um, listeners enjoyed the part one. I can't imagine this is going to go downhill. It doesn't seem possible. No. I just, no, I, I don't think so. So, all right. Well, I hope, you know, tune in for a part two. I hope in, in, in the blindness of looking towards the future, it wasn't a disappointment, but I doubt it will be. <laughs> all right. Sure. So thanks for listening and tune in next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Plato's Cave. Um, I always enjoy discussing topics with, uh, with these two guys. So if you want to um, support the show in any way, you can do so simply by sharing it. Uh, I'm hoping to get this show out to more people. Uh, and so if you want to share it on Twitter or social media, that would really help me. Uh, you can also rate it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, like this video if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe uh, via Apple Podcasts or an RSS feed. Uh, you can also discuss it on your own show and link back uh, to my website. Or you can connect me uh, with recommended guests or topics to cover. Uh, you can get in contact with me at Plato's Cave Podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jordan underscore C underscore Myers. And I now have a website for my philosophy endeavors at jordanmyers.org. If you want to know a little bit more about me and my fellow co-hosts, um, as I said in the introduction, I'm a master's student in philosophy at the University of Houston. I did my undergrad at the University of Pittsburgh, where I studied mechanical engineering and philosophy. And now that I'm back at school, I'm hoping to more closely study uh, moral responsibility, free will, ethics, epistemology, and moral psychology. Those are topics that I was uh, introduced to and got really interested in in my undergrad work. So uh, Adam and Giffen accompanied me on this show, and Adam is uh, one of my oldest friends. We actually met in kindergarten, um, and we've been interested in philosophical topics for as long as we can remember, and in a lot of ways, it's been the basis of our friendship. Uh, Adam studied chemistry and biology at Cornell, and he is currently working at a law firm. Um, and he's especially interested in moral responsibility as well, but also law, religion, and free will. Uh, Giffen is also one of my oldest friends, and uh, we've been friends since elementary school as well. Um, Giffen studied biology and economics at RPI, and now he works in human health research. Uh, he believes that there's very interesting overlap between both of his fields of study and philosophy, and he's particularly interested in exploring political philosophy. So this series was right up his alley. Um, and with, uh, with all of that information... Again, I hope that you enjoyed uh, this episode, and I hope that you get in contact with me or, or follow my work in any way that you uh, deem reasonable to do. So with that, thank you for listening.